0: What are we, are we trying to, are we trying to ambush, ambush journalism him? Yeah. <laughs> let him know that we're looking at yeah, the Astros? We're studying. Art. We have been, we have been looking at some Astros things, Kevin, I don't want to
1: surprise you. <laughs> okay, that's fine, yeah, I get it. Maybe I should look at some Astros things.
2: <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to episode 221 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller, and we have a guest with us today. Uh, if you watched the first round of the amateur draft last Thursday uh, and you saw the Astros War Room on TV, you may have seen our guest for a few moments, <laughs> not wearing a fedora for some reason. Uh, but he was—he was in the War Room. He was—he was in the room where all the decisions were made. He is Kevin Goldstein. The, Pro scouting coordinator of the Houston Astros
1: hello uh, you know I wore the fedora on day two when I thought we needed a little more luck uh, and you want some players to get to you I wore it on day okay. two. okay no one was watching on, on day two yeah no, they took the camera down before you were drinking what were you you were drinking something what were you drinking on day one I, it was just a coke we had uh we had some Texas barbecue brought in before the draft uh-huh. it was delicious and I was washing it down with a a, a, a coke okay
0: can I uh, can I start just with a really uh, probably a really dumb question that that I had and maybe other people would yes, have? Yes, we both if have. it's okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. You guys weren't drafting any pro players, so what was your
1: role? I, I, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> that it's actually led into a bit of a, a, a semi-rant I want to go, not even a rant, <laughs> just a clarification, if, if you will. Yes. Um, you're right. I am. I, I head up the pro scouting department for the Houston Astros. Pro. Um, uh, that said, one of the, one of the really great things about working here is that there is some overlap and we all get exposed to a lot of things. So, I mean, I have done, uh, some trips to Latin America to support Aza Campo uh, on the international scouting front. And over the last month, I did do some trips uh, around the country to support, uh, our scouting director, Mike Elias on the amateur front. And so, uh, you know, I saw some players and I submitted some reports and then hopefully those reports were, you know, played a role in how we judge some players. And so I was involved in the draft, but, you know, it's it, it's a little upsetting at times. It's almost kind of not fair because, like, you know, Mike Elias, our scouting director, never had a podcast. You know, <laughs> David Stearns, our assistant general manager, never wrote articles that were on the front page of ESPN. And so, you know, you see stuff like, you know, congratulations to Jeff and Kevin on a great draft. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean... Um, I mean, that decision, or the decision at 1 1 to take Mark Capel, um, I mean, that was made by, by Jeff, David, our AGM, Mike Elias, our scouting director, and, and David Post, our, our national cross checker, who's just, you know, I thought I knew a lot of great scouts, and then I met David. He's just he's fantastic, the guy I've learned a ton from. But, I mean, those are the four guys who made the decision. I was, if you, see the, if you watch the draft coverage, the first shot of the room, you see all the area scouts and some of the administrative people uh, and some other people and me sitting there. Um, and what you don't see in there is that quartet of people. You have Jeff, David, Mike, and, and David Post, who were making that decision at that time. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't make that decision. I gave my opinion, and the decisions, and as did all of our amateur scouts, give their opinions. And I mean, they were the guys who were the ultimate decision makers. This was not like my draft. I was just thrilled to play a, a small part in it. But I mean, to answer your question, that was it. I mean, over the last month, I did you know, do some traveling and and go see some amateur guidance, submit some reports, and so, um, you know, basically, uh, we get everyone involved, so all of our amateur scouts uh, were were flown in for the draft, and, you know, you spend about three days going over all the players, and, and then on Thursday, you'd pick them, but I mean, it was, it was a real honor just to be a part of it, and, and a lot of fun. It's one of those things where when I was writing, I always wanted to be in a draft room, kind of a bucket list kind of thing, uh, and to actually do it was a real thrill, just to just to even just be in the room and, and see it all go down. All right, so stop
2: giving Kevin credit for things, people. Yeah,
1: it's very important.
2: Yeah. Uh, so so what was that like? I, people on the on the Facebook page are, are hoping to hear fun draft stories or something from you. What was the... The atmosphere, like, was it was it as you expected
1: pretty much? Or? Um, the first day was definitely as you expected or as I expected at least. I mean, um, it was really exciting. And, and, you know, just really just a few minutes before it was our pick, uh, Jeff and, and, and Mike and David and David came in and uh, Jeff put the magnet up of uh, Mark Capel right, right below our logo. And that's when we knew who we were taking. I mean, I knew maybe two and a half, three minutes before you guys knew oh. who we were taking at 1-1 and uh and Susie put it down it was you know there's a lot of uh, excitement and a lot of smiling faces in the room and uh, and after that it was you know we only had one more pick that day it's, it's it's such a weird day it's a long long day and then a long night but you only get two dudes mm-hmm. you know you're taking 40 guys in this draft but you know day 1 it's two dudes and so you, we took a Pell and then it was about a 3 hour wait before pick 40 came around and so it kind of went as I expected because it's only one more pick and we have uh, you know, we have our magnets all on the board. And we have guys we're, we're hoping to get to 40, hoping that will be there. And, you know, this group of players you're looking at. And when we got to 40, Andrew Thurman was the guy we really wanted and the guy we took. And then you're done for the day and you got your two guys. Um, and then the next day is when you draft eight rounds. It's three through 10. There's a little bit of time between picks. And that's a little more different than what I expected. Because really, very few people are actually kind of paying attention to the draft on kind of a pick by pick basis, if you will. You know, there's a couple people who are kind of in charge of the board and watching the picks and and monitoring it on the computer. There's like a like a running list that the teams get that shows all the picks. You're tearing people are tearing magnets off the boards. You know, we can't take that guy Mm -hmm. because someone else took them. And for the most part, you're just having everyone's having these like pretty deep conversations about players like this is who we should. Who should we take here? Who should we take here? Um, You know, with with Sig involved, with with all the great stat stuff he does. And then obviously his system plays a huge role in what we're doing here. And we're looking at that SIGs kind of rankings. We're looking at how the scouting people feel about it. You, you do, is this who we want to take here? Is this who we want to take here? And by the time you know, you're mostly done with that conversation, it's your turn. <laughs> and it's time to make a call. You know, and um obviously we had the first pick of the second day. So that was something we had a lot of choice, and not time to just kind of settle on Kent Manuel, the the lefty from North Carolina. But you know, fourth round, you're talking, you got these guys, who should we take, who should we take. Next thing you know, you're like three picks away and you go, okay, this is who we're taking but you don't kind of don't really pay much attention to those 24 picks. You just kind of realize, Oh, but we're close again.
2: Mm-hmm. So were there any and, moments like everyone listening has experienced in their fantasy draft where sure, you're about sniped to sniped a couple times?
1: Yeah. yeah. I really got sniped. And the funny thing is, is like, yeah, we got sniped a couple times, times, uh, you know, between one and 40. And it, it's fun just because, I mean, you guys have all been in your fantasy draft and someone takes that guy before you do, and you get to look at them. Um, and that happens in baseball. Um, you know, he took a player and and uh, a, a front office guy from another team texted me and did with a with uh, an, an epithet. And <laughs> you know, he's just like, you took our dude. And this was like way. This was day three. And this is like you're way late. They were getting ready to take this guy. Like you took our guy. I was like, well, you know, I, I'm sorry. And. Um, So, I mean, it is, and then, I mean, day three is crazy because it's 30 picks and and it's just, it's rapid fire. Next thing you know, you're up again and you're, you know, you're looking at what you have. You also have, um, you know, we had Quentin McCracken, our farm director and Alan Rowan, our our assistant farm director in there, you know, with their spreadsheets of rosters. And like, you know, look, we have, um, we know we're one of those teams with three short season teams. We have a, a Gulf Coast League team, an Appy League team, a New York Penn League team. You're sitting there going, yeah. well, we need a guy here. We need, we need to pick somebody because we need someone to play the outfield here. We need someone to pitch here. And so, you know, at times you get some some positional needs here and they you got to make sure you get a guy so we have a team. And, um, but no, it was super exciting. It was fun to watch you know, this whole process and, you know, guys who won't try to push their players and you do try to, we, we still really like this guy. We want to get him. Should we take him here? Well, we could probably wait a couple more rounds and then you, you ultimately get him. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, almost up and down. You know, even when you get sniped, it's not like you're sitting there with just that one name written in, you know, in, <laughs> with lights all around and mm-hmm. You have kind of a, a group of magnets you're thinking about. And when someone takes that guy, you take the magnet off the board and you throw it in the box and you move on. Um, but, you know, it, it's just amazing to watch and to think. Um, I, I think I tweeted this, just, you know, all of the work that goes into all just all of the study of, of the scouting information, the, the performance information, uh, the makeup stuff and getting a sense of the kid and his commitment to baseball, blah, 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 on you know, tons of players, just all these magnets. We only get 40 of them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all the work that went into, you know, for all of our amateur staff driving around all spring and submitting reports on all these players and, you know, 1180 or something of them went to other teams. We got 40. <laughs> Um, the efficiency of it all, it's, it's, it's kind of impressive.
2: Uh, I was going to ask you about sort of the, the secrecy surrounding the Appel pick. As a, as a former maker of mock drafts, I'm sure you appreciated it when the news kind of leaked out early, because uh, if you don't get that first pick, then your whole mock draft is is kind of screwed from the start. Um, but I didn't realize that the secrecy was was internal also. Uh, do, you, do you know, I mean, do you have any sense of when that decision was made, even if it wasn't shared in, until a few minutes before the draft?
1: I think it was made pretty late, guys, you know, I mean, I really do. And I, I think it was a situation where, um, you know, we, uh, there was a lot, there's obviously a lot to consider when you're talking about 1-1 picks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to think about. And then there's uh, considerations about player signability, players' their ability to, to, you know, their, their scouting information, the statistical analysis, all that stuff. And so in the end, the decision came down pretty late and you want to make sure that, uh, uh you know, you're, you're making the right decision or you're take as much time as you can to make that decision. So, I mean, it was made, I don't think it was made much before Jeff came in and then put the magnet up on the board and, uh, you know, from doing the draft, the doing or covering the draft last year, but it was the same thing. I mean, we didn't know who the Astros were gonna take until the very last minute. Mm-hmm. And um, I know a lot of people were surprised by it. And um, including me, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised when they took Carlos Correa. And just because I mentioned that it, that it might happen, I was happy, mm-hmm. but no one knew who they were gonna take. And, I, and it is, you know, I think it's a specific thing that, that is part of our plan as far as a kind of a an outreach thing. It was made, you know, on Monday, uh, you know, one of the first things we talked about in the meeting was that we're all dark now. We're all going dark. Mm-hmm. No talking to anybody about the draft from outside this room. Um, and so it was part of the plan, and, and that's it's part of the it's part of what we do. And so we go super secret. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so I guess what is it? I mean, when you were at BP, I, I guess you wouldn't have necessarily considered yourself a scout. You talked to scouts all the time, and you went and saw games, but. You you talked to lots of scouts and you you collected that information and synthesized it and provided it to, to people who read you, but now anyone who follows you on Facebook or Twitter knows that you're on the road all the time, as you mentioned. You're filing reports on players. So is there is there a point at which you can say, Well now I'm a scout? Is there like a, a moment when you file a report? <laughs> Are you now officially a scout? Do you consider yourself yeah, a scout? Sure. I
1: mean Yes, I do. And um I mean, I was hired, and part of my responsibility was to scout players. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it, that's the definition, yeah, right? I guess so.
0: Did any of uh did any of the guys you filed a report on end up getting picked by the Astros? Yes. So that's fun.
1: Yeah, it is fun. I mean, obviously, like mean, you said, don't you draft get, that guy. Yeah, don't draft that guy. Um, I mean, you give all the credit to the area scout who first identifies him and submits the follow report. And um, but yeah, no, I did see some of the players that we that we did draft, and it was actually really fun to see them to see them kind of become Houston Astros or at least they'll become Houston Astros when they sign. And uh, yeah, it, you're, you're already kind of a little more invested in those guys. You're like, oh, I remember him. I saw him here and he did some good stuff. And I, I turned him in pretty good and, and, and we took him and yeah, it, it, for sure. It definitely was a different, a, a different feeling.
0: So um, has your, uh, since, since you sort of got to the table Um, has the percentage of you that is focused on the negative of a draft prospect compared to what percentage of you is focused on the positive of the draft prospect changed? Does that, did that, did those words make sense? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) All right. So, so let me put it this way. So there's this, there's this part in, uh, in dollar sign on the muscle where he says that, that scouts are focused on, you know, the positive of a player. They see, you know, they see, they see all the good that he can become and, and coaches uh, are focused on, on, you know, all the headaches they have to deal with the player, all the things that they have to work on and all the negatives of it. And, you know, I think a, different fans, probably some, some see a prospect and, and only see that he, you know, doesn't draw walks or can't hit a curveball, and others, you know, see that he's got a, you know, a carrying tool or something like that. And so I just wonder, were you, were you a pessimist or an optimist before? And, and has it changed?
1: Um, I like to think I tried to be, be a realist. um, and so it hasn't changed. But, I mean, I don't – I'm not sure that that kind of assumption applies to to our scouts. Um, I mean, our scouts are really realistic and, and you know, they're, they're good and they're realistic about what guys can be. And, you know, we talk about players' ultimate ceiling, but, uh, you know, we actually often – and especially after you get past the first few rounds, you're talking uh, much more about kind of a player's most likely destination. You know, he's, this guy's – Probably going to be a fourth outfielder. This guy's probably going to be a seventh inning reliever. This guy's probably going to be a back of the rotation starter. Now, he's a chance to be a number three starter or a chance to be an everyday player, or a chance to be a late inning high leverage reliever, but realistically, he's probably not. Um, you know, we do talk a lot about variability, and you know, there are all sorts of things about players we take that we can't predict. And we have to be able to accept the fact that we can't predict how players will change. Uh, all we can do pre- predict is that they will change. And so, uh, you know, I don't think I've, I've changed the way I look at players. I think I see the I try to see the the good and the bad in everybody. I try to see what you know, what's really good about a guy and what's what's some things to work on when
2: it was your job to to write about the draft and some stupid editor like me would would say, hey, write something about who had a good draft and who had a bad draft the day after the draft about these players (laughs) that we won't see for five years and we won't know how the draft turned out. That was probably not your favorite part of the job, trying to, to pick winners and losers on the day of or the day after. Do you feel like you have a better ability to assess that now that you... Have seen some of these players and have read reports on all of these players. Can you look back and say we had a good draft? I'm happy with what we did, or are you still kind of like, well, it, we'll wait and see? I guess
1: both. I mean, I mean, I am really happy with our draft. I was really happy with who we took, and I'm happy with the um, with the whole draft class, if you will, and you judge as a whole. We're really happy with who we took and some of the players we got, but. I mean, you're right. I mean, no, we won't know for three, four, five years. We have no idea how to judge this draft, and we're really happy with what we have and the chances of some of these players to be an important part of our future. And that's if you have that, you got to be, you got to feel pretty good. And I I know that the, you know, as a whole, the room felt really good about where we are and where we ended up. Mm -hmm. And oh, come on! Oh, he's safe. I'm sorry, I'm watching the (laughs) Astros game. And. and so so I mean we're happy about what we have but you no know, you're right I mean all of these guys are going to uh, you know obviously I, I I feel strongly and we feel strongly we're going to sign the majority of these guys um they'll get going during the second half of the year um and next year they'll all start in the minors probably and and you go from there but yeah you don't know I mean they could change in, in dramatic ways and some of them could turn out to be far better than even we anticipated and some are certainly going to turn out worse than we anticipated so yeah, we, we can be excited about what we have right now, but we don't really know what we have.
0: So, but what about for fans who um, have a tendency to, you know, also not have much useful information at this point, far less than you, and yet want to have strong opinions and want to feel something? They want to feel alive. Uh, you know, they want to they want to have some emotion about everything that comes before them. So, what is the appropriate way to process this draft if if you're a fan? What's like? What is the best thing a fan can do? To have some understanding of whether their team did good or did bad.
1: Well, I mean, we had the first pick in the draft, so hopefully, you know, we got a really important player there. Guys can make an impact for our future, and we think Mark Appel that kind of player. And you know, you look down the list and you think about what we got, and we say say to ourselves, you know, I think a lot of these guys are going to make the big leaguers, or going to make the big leagues. Are going to you know play and and play a role in our team. You know, predicting exactly what every one of these guys is going to do is is kind of a fool's errand. Um, other than the, you know, you basically you're buying chances, you know, you're, you're drafting chances. This guy's got, we don't, can't tell you exactly what it is. This guy's got X percent chance to, to you know, be an important part of our future. And you try to just add up all those chances and say, in the end, what that all adds up to is a pretty good number. Um, and, and we should get something pretty good out of this draft class. I think we will get something good out of this draft class. Just like I think we'll get something really good uh, you know, out of our 2012 draft class after, you know, a year later and seeing where some of these players are and what some of them have done, we can look, we can go, this is going well. You know, we still shouldn't judge it because none of them are in the big leagues yet, but so far, so good. This is going well. Um and you, you know, you have faith in who you have and you have faith in the process, you have faith in Sig's work, you have faith in our scouts' work. You have faith in Jeff and faith in Michael Elias, and they say this is going well. And we're going to get the right players here.
0: So you're saying don't, don't, don't feel anything?
1: <laughs> no, no, feel good about the future. I mean, our system is really good. I think our system's really good. I think we have one of the best minor league systems in all of baseball right now. I think we just had a really good draft that's going to add to it. Um, I don't think it's any sort of secret that we'll probably add some prospects between now and the trade deadline. You know, we are bringing in young talent. We're trying to create a pipeline of young talent. And, you know, that's the goal of of the organization right now is to, you know, build these processes so that we are always in it, so that we're always a good team. And, you know, if if we're closer to that at the end of the year and then we've made significant progress in all those areas, we're going to feel pretty good about where we are.
2: So when you when you would have a guest on on Up and In you would ask them to to plug their product or or wherever you could find their work. <laughs> so, so I guess so so your product is is the Astros I guess. So so Yeah, just p- go to
1: astros.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: right. So so plug plug some Astros. What <laughs> what what Astros should we be excited about right now? What 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 prospects are not getting talked about that that you would that you would talk about if you were still podcasting,
1: or yeah, I gotta tell you, I mean, one of the really great things about our system right now, something that, that I know we're really excited about, is you know, if you looked at our prospects, if you look at you know, I don't, look at Jason's prospect list for us, um, all of our prospects have, and this is rare, have either lived up to expectations or exceeded mm-hmm. them. You know, um, you know, nobody, nobody's really kind of crashed and burned, and and that's rare. Usually, you have a few a few prospects who kind of fall off the map, and that's just part of the game. I mean, as you guys know, the attrition rate is, is pretty brutal. Um, but we've had, you know, everyone's lived up to expectations and some have exceeded them and some have really, you know, come on strong. Think about you know, George Springer's, uh, I believe is still leading unless I, I missed about three days of games here. I believe he's still leading the minor leagues home runs and he's 18 last I checked. And he's uh, made a lot of progress at double A cause not only is he hitting these home runs, he's been flirting with 300 all year. So he's starting to you know, hit for average as well. Um, we just got John Singleton going just after the suspension to start the year, and then he's at Double A and a guy who you know has a, has a chance to to at least earn uh, a look in Houston this year. Uh, Mike Foltynewicz has taken a gigantic step forward. He's become a guy who has just found all this new velocity. You know, a guy who you know we were very excited about it. a guy with a plus fastball and, and and super athletic with a good delivery. Now all of a sudden he's touching a hundred nearly every time out you know some of the best raw stuff in the minors and so you know time and time again you know every night someone's doing a good thing Carlos Correa uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start in April and had a monstrous May at like 340 and this is a kid who's one of the youngest kids in the league You know, people don't appreciate how young he is and uh, how, how already kind of ahead of the development curve is so I mean, we have a lot, a lot of players to be excited about. We have guys we're going to see possibly this year. And we've already started to see some guys this year. Guys that I think a lot of people didn't know. You know, Paul Clemens has is, is done Yaleman's work for us out of the big league bullpen. Uh, you know, doing some long work for us, doing really good fastball. And he's got obviously some things to work on, but he's got the stuff to succeed in the big leagues. And we've been able to see a few players come up and and get some jobs done for us out of the bullpen and and we're going to be calling on some more players i'm sure as the season goes on so we're already starting to see some stuff we're gonna see more next year more the year after that and we think you know we're we're kind of at this point where you know we can start constantly improving and get to where we want to be well i'm sold
2: Uh, so, (laughs) so, so how much are, are we missing me and Sam and all the the poor people on the internet who don't have the ability to read scouting reports because you read the the consensus among the the prospect people and they'll, they'll tell you the same thing that the Astros have a really good system and it's made great strides and, and they're not looking at, at reports. They're just talking to scouts and watching players and telling us what they think. And, and that, kind of matches what you're saying. So I'm always curious about how how close we're getting just kind of the opinion of these scouts filtered through Jason and Keith Law and Jim Callis and and you know the people who do what you used to do. How how close are we looking at a prospect list? How how close are those sort of respected internet prospect lists to a team's internal prospect list?
1: Well, I, I think the key word is consensus mm-hmm. and that's what you're looking at is the consensus and, and, um, you know, the consensus is not us, you know, and that's not how we necessarily see it. Um, to talk internally about the guys, I mean, obviously we have way more information. Every morning we get a report from all the minor league games and you see what each player did and notes on, you know, every at bat and what they did well and what they did not do well and what they're working on, um, you know, before and after games and things like that, you, you if you wanted to, to review all that and when we do have it all you know internalized you can see every note we've written about a player all year in chronological order you can get like basically you know, a really long diary of this player's development and and so i mean you know we have a ton of internal information on all these guys i can tell you what any of our pitcher stuff was in every single appearance um and i can break down nearly every at bat he's had i'm um, just bragging now No, I'm just saying we have that, but (laughs) like on the, you know, but I mean, you are talking, you know, when you're talking to Jason, you're getting these consensus and consensus is good and crowdsourcing can be really valuable when it comes to ranking prospects. But at the same time, you know, we have our scouts that we trust and, you know, there are players that are, uh, you know, I know that there are players that are really, really high on everybody's prospect list for a certain team. And we have him in really, really low because our scouts have seen him and really don't like him. And on the other side, you know, we have scouts, we have players who you know, we've identified as really good and, and top targets from other teams that have barely sniffed a prospect list, players people haven't even heard of. Um, That would be among our top targets if we had some sort of trade talks with those teams. So, I mean, there's a lot of variability. (laughs) So there's a lot of variability here, and and, you know, you got to trust what you have, and you got to trust your process and your scouts and and how you are ranking guys, Um, because ultimately that's you know that's what you're going to base your decisions off of. But
2: I guess, do you ever miss the ability to just pick up the phone and call the other team's scouts like you used to and get their perspective too? (laughs) I mean, you can't do that anymore. You used to be able to do that and just talk to anyone and find out what they think and now it's all uh, um, you guys and kind of almost like an echo chamber i guess a, a, a crowded echo chamber with a lot of smart people in it but you can't
1: yeah we'll take yeah. it <laughs> um no i mean it's no no i mean i i, I there's some people i don't really talk to as much as i used to and there's a lot of people i've still stayed in touch with despite the fact they work for another team um you just talk about other stuff or you just make jokes at each other and so you know you just don't ask about what they think about a player because that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't miss that at all. I'm yeah, I, I, I believe me, I'm very very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, i tried to be a jerk here. I just I I you know I loved my old life. I don't miss my old life. I'm I, I, I couldn't be more happy with how things have been going with the Astros. The only thing I miss is the podcast. Um, the sure I do with Jason. That's all I miss. I don't miss writing. I don't miss dealing with the two editors of that place, which were I just don't blame two And um, so, uh, no, I, it, I, had a, I had a great time there, but no, I'm having the time of my life. Like, I, I, that's, um, I'm a very, very lucky person to be doing what I'm doing.
2: Well, I'm out of questions. I have one listener email question uh, that I uh, want to read. Um, we got it before we announced that you were coming on or anything, but uh, Brian asked a, a draft question that I don't really know how to answer. Uh, He said, as we often see during the Rule 4 drafts, several teams selected sons or nephews of current or former players. Uh, He named some examples. If you had to draft a person, sight unseen, based solely on his genealogy, from what gene pool would you select your player? Would you go after the offspring of a clear superstar, like Miguel Cabrera or Clayton Kershaw, or would you dip into a gene pool that has produced multiple major league players, like the Molinas or the Boons? I would
1: just, I would just want Bo Jackson's kid, <laughs> like sight unseen. Bo Jackson's kid. But
0: I just found out this weekend that Bo Jackson had like nine brothers and sisters, and you've never None heard of any of them.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I just, it's, it's, I mean, he's, he's like, the, he's still the best athlete I've, I've ever seen on a baseball field. It's a funny question. I mean, I don't know, and it's a good, it's a good question. And the, the other funny thing is, is that you know, everybody focuses so much on, um, you know, the guy's dad, and the guy's dad played baseball, and for a lot of players. Um and this I mean this stuff does kind of matter when you get a sense for the athleticism like a lot of the players like the mom played you know I we know we took players, like the mom played college basketball or the mom uh, ran track in college the mom was a a, a pro tennis player I know play, you know a, a guy who was that situation you know, your genes are uh, come from two people and so you got to look at both. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: And at least you, you, you're pretty sure you know who the mom is. You might not actually
1: know
2: who the is. <laughs> That's a good point, too. You feel good about that one. We, are we close to the, to the DNA testing portion of the pre-jaffed preparation? Are we close to that era? I, 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 I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> okay, we won't make you think about it. Uh, all right. Well, we we had you on episode 100, and I think we we said we'd leave you. What, what
1: number is this? this? Is
2: 220. 500. <laughs> yeah, we said we'd leave you alone till 500, I think, and we we made it about a f- quarter of the way. This is 221. What, what, what number is this? 221. Man, I think. You, well, you guys have more than doubled Jason and I now. Yes, although in in terms of time, we've probably not come close. I think about 12 percent, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well. Thank you for for joining us again, and maybe we'll leave you until five hundred this time. Okay. So I'll
1: talk to you in like. A few <laughs> right.
2: Well, it's good. It's good for people to hear your voice, just to dispel the rumors of your demise that have been making the rounds on other podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, that's a good
2: point. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Kevin is alive and well. Uh, he he graciously joined us, and we thank him and wish you all the best. Uh, with with continuing the, the rebuilding effort. Thanks, guys.